Simon, turn the recording on. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning, Simon. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Hello, Johnny. Sonnies. <laughs> I think I think I think Johnny's still on the Sunny Sixteen podcast. I think he's. he's... I know he's doing fine art photography. Oh, this isn't Sunny Sixteen. Oh, I hate Classic Lenses podcast. How are you? I forgot all about you. You've been gone so long. I know. I know. Well, um, as as I just mentioned, uh, this is episode thirty six. That this is not the first time I've said those words um, because last week, uh, this time last week, I. Had a, uh, a similar line in the podcast I recorded with Cheyenne Morrison. Cheyenne Morrison. Oh my word! I did the whole podcast. Mainly got his name right last week, and, I, and I've got it wrong again now. So uh, my apologies, Cheyenne. Um, but yeah, we uh, we did a one on one episode that lasted for two hours and twenty minutes of actual recording. Um, and only ten minutes of it was actually recorded with my voice so that wasn't so good and the reason for that uh, was I had a problem with feedback uh, with my microphone and I just swapped uh, USB sockets and uh, swapping the USB socket um, caused the problem because it didn't actually continue the recording uh, when I moved into the into the other slot so um, my bad it won't happen again um, and I'm really sorry uh, Cheyenne that uh, it didn't work and but we will get you back um, and it's probably going to be in a oh, a few weeks I would I would say uh, because we've got to make sure we can get uh, Johnny and uh, Carl uh, to be around at the same time because I think we can't really do another episode where it's just the two of us because we've already had the conversation really um, and one of the issues we've got uh, for those people who don't realize this is uh, Cheyenne lives in Australia and that means when you're doing a transatlantic podcast it becomes very very difficult to actually get a time where uh, all four of us can actually be on at the same time without one of us being doing something in the middle of the night in fact actually when we did the recording it was actually six o'clock in the morning for Cheyenne so uh, <laughs> thank you for getting up and um, we're gonna have to ask you to do it again sometime as well so um, really sorry about that so uh, um, so anyway let's put that painful experience behind us and we I'm, I'm sure we won't hear any more discussion about what what happened last week that uh, traumatized me so much um and uh this week uh, we're just going to shake things up a little bit because normally in the past we've we go into feedback well we're not going to do that this time we're because we've got a lot of things that we want to get off our chest and uh, so we'll probably put feedback towards the end of the show and we're just going to talk about a few things that we've been getting up to so uh, perhaps, Carl, you want to uh, tell us what you've been up to? Yeah, I'll be happy to do that. And um, I just want to say first, again, I'm really pleased that Johnny is getting into fine art photography. I think, I think it's a very cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> or so I, so I heard this morning while I was listening to a different podcast in my in my car. <laughs> so... Um, I see oh, that, that's that, that's that's going to be worth explaining. There's going to be plenty of people who don't really get that reference there. So that's, that's probably worth explaining what, what what we're talking about here. So for the next cheap shots challenge on the Sunny Sixteen podcast, um, Johnny selected the topic and he picked fine art photography. I don't know why because he said one time that photography isn't art, but um, being as it is, um, 
that's that's what it's about well just just it's worth just explaining what the cheap shot challenge is and that, and that's where uh people would buy a very very cheap camera ideally not a particularly good camera as well um and uh take photographs on a on a theme and then they submit uh, their photographs into a show and then they get an eminent and highly qualified judge or in the case last time they got johnny uh <laughs> to do landscape photography and uh and johnny uh had the privilege then of uh, nominating uh whatever he wanted to be for the next cheap shot challenge uh, which he nominated fine arts which uh pretty much left them aghast <laughs> yeah, so um so uh i'm sure a lot of people out there are uh, thanking johnny uh, for uh, them having to uh, take their you know, 10 cameras and things and box brownies to do um <laughs> to do and, I thought, art photography. and i thought i was doing them a favor because you know the other categories were like you know fashion and i don't know like pets or something and i i mean anybody can make art with a cheap camera go try to do fashion with it well, you can too, especially if you work for American Apparel and you're and you get like a point and shoot camera and just turn the flash on and put it in someone's face. Um, I guess you can do you can do that. But yeah, anyway, I thought it was the most reason. No, I didn't think it was reasonable at all. I thought it was gonna be a really huge pain in the ass for them. So. <laughs> but anyway, if you listen to the near end of episode two, no, what episode is it? Two eighteen, right? That was last Wednesday. No, no, um, it, may, uh, what, it might have been one eighteen, maybe, but not not two eighteen. One eighteen, one eighteen. Okay, yeah. so the it just felt like two eighteen. One eighteen recorded last Wednesday. Um, they get into a discussion of what is fine art photography, and it isn't just pictures of of nude people, and um, and they actually explain what they um, mean when they say fine art photography, and so um, give that one a listen, and and it's also a, a good, really good episode with a really cool young photographer who's making his own film so uh enough from promoting a, a different podcast so <laughs> my uh let's see well well um we were um away from doing this my leica 3a came back yay and um it, it was it was it was really worked over well so my 200 dollar leica 3a now is a 428 dollar leica 3a and um um Yoshin Yi uh, repaired it for me. He did a fantastic job and, and, and wrote me his interesting email that, um, that uh, the, the former person who fixed this camera only replaced the short curtain. The long curtain was left and it was hardened with cracks on the rubber side and it had affected shutter motion. They also did not clean out the old lubricant. They just put in some new lubricant on top of it to make it work at some speeds. So, but it's done properly now, and it looks beautiful. And it, uh, well, on the outside, it looks all beaten and and, and brass. But on the um, looking in, into the inside of it from the front, it, it looks great, and it has a nice smell of new lubricant, and um, it makes a nice sound when you advance the camera and do the shutter. And I'm looking forward to sticking a roll of film in it this week. So, um, so that's my that's a that's a, a happy thing. Um, and then another happy thing is that uh, so I got I got an auto um, fifty five millimeter. Sorry, 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 Carl, you just broke up there. Do you want to, what what did you get? I bought a, I bought an, an auto Takumar fifty five millimeter f two point two, and it's this beautiful little M forty two lens that's very nice and sharp, wide open, nice bokeh, um, good through the whole range, this sharp edge to edge. 
I could kick myself for selling a, a an F2 one that I that I had before, but um, I had bought it for a low price and the price skyrocketed and I and I sold it for well over a hundred dollars more than I paid for it. I think it's this lens is on par with it. It it doesn't quite have as high ratings on, in Pentax forums, but um, I, it's on the camera a lot. I, I keep finding myself sticking it back on the camera. It's one it's one worth looking at if, if you're looking for a, a great lens through the whole range of. I mean, I was shooting it from um, a 2.2 up to f11 yesterday, and you know, it was just fantastic. I, had, I think um, I, yeah. when we had our episode on Takamar lenses, where I think I've pronounced Takamar three different ways. Um, sometimes, it's not a Takuma. Yeah, sometimes in the same <laughs> sentence. Um, and uh, I did touch upon that lens, because um, so I've had a, a couple of them, and... Uh, and they are they're just really really sweet lenses um they've and it's so small as well for a, for an slr lens it's you know it's a lot it's you know it's smaller than the adapter that it's going to sit on when it sits on the a, a mirrorless camera and it's uh it, there's just a lovely feel to those to those lenses the way you know how smooth they are and just the you know the quality of the con, uh, the construction but there's a the, the rendering of them is just really really sweet as well i mean they're they're a gorgeous lens i think there's a couple of different versions of them as well but they've got plenty of aperture blades on them as well haven't they it's a t it's 10 blades yeah yeah yep yeah so it's really nice and um well so yeah i've been using that a lot and it seems to keep ending up on the camera so for our camera club yesterday, the night before, I always um, spend at least a half an hour deciding what lens I'm going to take with me on my. I did digital and I take a film camera, and I think I had four different lenses on. And finally, that one ended back up on the camera, and that's what I had yesterday when we went for a, a walkabout down downtown. And um, so, yeah, um, I had some adventure last week um, up in the Panhandle of Florida for a meeting, but we had uh, had a whole day where we did fun things. Um, some kayaking and, and some some hiking, and um, so when I <laughs> when I do these outdoor things, I always get concerned that I don't want to take my Sony because if something happens to it, it's my best camera. And so I take my I take my Fuji. Although um, the day after I came home, I dropped my Sony on the floor, Ooh. and uh, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> it landed flat, hard on the floor. No, 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 no. Carl, have we not played this game? <laughs> enough times you destroyed the camera and you tell pam you have to buy a new one come no, on now no, this is your opportunity it doesn't have a mark on it even it hit absolutely flat on the floor and, and, it, and it survived from about two feet onto a hard tile floor but anyway so i took my fuji and um and the super wide heliar which is just it's just an amazing combination i mean it's just, just amazing and, and this is the series one super wide heliar 15 millimeter and shot landscapes and then um, swapped it out with an LTM Canon 35 millimeter, and that's another good reason that I didn't have the Sony because um, there certainly would have been dust spots on the um, sensor by the end of the day, and I didn't have it with the Fuji. And then, then in the evening, in the evening, we went to the most bizarre place I've ever been in my life. Um, I, I put um, a, a, an LTM 51.4 on the Fuji, and and they took us to a place where we were going to have a, like a dinner reception thing but it was an outdoor barbecue and we drove into this place out of the way out in the middle of nowhere and we were driving along and we were the first ones there and there's these guys standing along the side of the road with long scraggly beards and and coveralls and and we drove by them and we kept on going and we weren't getting you didn't anywhere. stop you didn't stop and listen to the easy talk um, <laughs> all around it was like 
fucking junkyard. And I thought, holy shit, this looks like the scene from Deliverance. And uh, (laughs) my assistant was sitting in the van. Come on, snort like a pig. And she said, so we're driving along. And I said, I said, look at those cool sculptures that somebody's made out of pieces of junk. I want to get out and take some shots. And she said, you are not going to open the door here. (laughs) Then we lost phone reception. And then it turned out we we were at the right place. So we we had a reception at a (laughs) a place that's a combination junkyard, sawmill, and green cemetery. So they have these new new things in the U.S. where you can get buried out in the woods without without being embalmed um, as an environmentally friendly thing for $1,800 at a green cemetery. We have one here in town and there's a couple others around the country. And we we went and... um, had a barbecue in a pavilion that was just at the side of a, of a so, and it was so freaking weird that if at the end of the evening they had, you know, said the last thing we're going to do is we're going to bury someone tonight, I wouldn't have been surprised because the whole thing. <laughs> but you didn't need to bury him after the barbecue, right? <laughs> it's <was> so crazy. <laughs> but I got a couple of good shots um, of these guys running the sawmill that I thought turned out pretty cool in black and white, and so um, that was that was a traveling traveling experience with the Fuji. And then, um, well, I'm still in love with this Pan EES. It's just the most liberating camera to be able to walk around with 72 frames in the thing and uh, know the exposures are, are perfect on it, at least the one that I have, and um, and, ha- and have the proper film in it now. Um, I still don't remember Johnny ever telling me what kind of film to use. But yeah, M- you never listen to anything I say. But, <laughs> but, but M told me last time... Um, <laughs> I had some FP4. He said, you know, get XP2. And I said, I have FP4 in the refrigerator. And he said, that'll be fine um, for something that you have on hand. But it turns out, I think it's great. And I've, I ordered some more of it. And I'm going to keep shooting it in here because um, every photo on the roll came out perfectly exposed. And it didn't need to do any post-processing, which I really like. And um, so I posted some of those um, some of those paired images. Johnny can pronounce the word for what that's called, uh, as I'll, I'll say it wrong. <laughs> are you talking about diptychs yes and and, okay. and i think they're i think they're cool. yeah very cool very cool and uh and that film's nice the, the grain structure or uh, is really nice in that film and small enough that um if i just take a, one of the one of the shots and I, I bring it up to a full size it doesn't look all muddy like that uh, foma pan did when i used it in the camera so uh I, th- I think though when you when you shoot those and when whenever you see them on um uh, say half frame club on uh, on on inst- Instagram when we had uh, yeah. uh, Dan Mar- Marinelli uh, when he was uh, yeah. when he was on the show uh, for the half frame club on Instagram. Um, if you if you follow that account, quite often you see these these diptychs, uh, yeah. which um, for anybody's not entirely sure what we're talking about here. Uh, when you use a, a half frame camera, it uses a thirty five millimeter frame, but it actually only takes. A photograph on half of the frame so uh, the left hand side of the frame it'll be one shot and then the right hand frame will be another uh, with a vertical line between it and which effectively means when you use the, the camera normally it's normally in portrait mode so you have to turn the camera on its side to actually get it in landscape but if you if you take two two portraits together um, you can take a photograph of of your subject and you can take another photograph of, of the subject or something related to it but actually display the two of them together and it, it like gives photographs some context at times it's always like tells yeah. a story and i think it's really really effective 
Yeah, so out of the last roll that I shot, I got about a dozen pairs that really made sense as pairs and, and looked good. And um, this roll, I, I went, I took it with me walking around yesterday with our photo club and really thought about shooting pairs. And um, God, I shot, I shot 42, uh, 42, well, 42, 42 uh, images yesterday. Yeah. And, um, and, and so I think that's, that's going to turn out really well, including shots of people in the group and, and shots of other things. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, and uh, Actually, I, be, I was going to say, before you go, go too much further, you, you mentioned earlier about your, your, your helio, helio lens. Um, which, oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I don't actually want to specifically just bring that one up, but I want to just bring up a, a post that was put up yesterday by Cheyenne, um, where he, he, I mean, Cheyenne does a lot of these where he, he'll put up quite a, a, de a detailed post on uh, photography with classic lenses and uh, about a lens or a piece of equipment. And uh, he, he, he likes to go into the history of things. And, uh, and he put one up um, about the, uh, the Asahi, uh, as in not Pentax, but Asahi uh, Takamar 58mm f2.4 Heliar. It doesn't say Heliar on there, but it is a Heliar design. Um, and funnily enough, it's something that I've, I've been on the lookout for one of these things for about two years. But um, getting one at a, at a sensible price, it just, just hasn't happened. And, uh, and some of the pictures that you put up there, are, you know, some of them are really, really nice. Um, and they've got a, a really different look about them. But uh, so it's something that I've, I've definitely got an interest in. It's also it's interesting that it comes with the M37 mount as well. So I guess you'd need a step up ring and it'd be quite easy to adapt that to mirrorless, um, less so yeah. I imagine to. Uh, yeah, so I, I conversed with him last night about that lens because it, it caught my interest too. And um, on, on eBay here in the US, there's five of them. And um, a couple of them have, have fog, but, but there's one that's clean, it's $84. And um, he actually sent me a link to the exactly same, exact same one that I found. And, and he said that he, he just took a 37 to 42 step-up ring and, and put it on an, an M42 adapter. And the, the, um, the distance from the, uh, from the, um, from the sensor is, is, is right on with yeah. the Sony that you don't have to do anything special right. with it. Yeah. So, you, you just, so there's, there's one on the, in America for 80-something dollars at the moment for sale. And it's okay. Well, on uh, an, an auction, right? Oh, you mean that's where it's at? It's not a buy it now. There's a buy now one for eighty-four US dollars. That's. <laughs> I need to be looking at this. Um, yeah, so, well, seriously, they they go for really big money over here. Well, there's there's four of them on eBay, and they're all between eighty-three and eighty-six dollars. They're all from Japan, and. Um, oh, I see. Right. Okay. Right, and and um, two of them have fog. And then there's one that has uh, tiny dusts, and there's one with tiny dusts and small micro scratches, and the one with just tiny dusts and and everything else okay is eighty, eighty four dollars. So I don't know, I'm, I might get it, give it a try. I, I liked the photos that he took with it. I thought they looked good, although um, I'm not sure that it'll be that different to my eye than this um, auto Takamar that I just was talking about. I, I'm thinking about it, and. Uh, well, that's it. I was going to say I really miss talking with you guys, sort of, sort of, and um, and, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I hand it over to Johnny. You missed your weekly abuse session, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> we missed abusing you too, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I have some new things too. Actually, I 
I think I've since we've talked, I've probably in the last two weeks gotten more uh, new things than I've gotten all year. Um, cause I really have not gotten a lot of stuff this year, um, at all. Uh, but I have a whole bunch of new things here in front of me I can talk about. Um, uh, well, geez, where to start? Well, I, 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 I have, I now have my first ever in my almost 50 years on the planet, uh, Nikon camera. I have never owned a Nikon before and I now, I now have one. Hold on. I'm going to reach over and get it. So I I now have in front of me a uh, a Nikon S2 rangefinder, which I will I'll, I'll have it make some noise here for you. So, um, so I picked this up at the there was a yesterday we had uh, the Chicago area camera collector show, um, and I and it and it was an exciting week here because the Nikon Historical Society was having their annual meeting here in Chicago, so. There were Nikon people in from all over the place. Um, and I got this S2 from none other than uh, Robert Rodoloni, who is the president of the Nikon Historical Society, who we I talked to quite a bit about uh, being on the podcast and on a future date. Um, he lives about uh, five minutes from Mike Ekman, so Mike's been working on him to get him on the podcast too. Anyway... Um, <laughs> I got a nice Nikon S2 from him. Uh, the the the, the rangefinder needs a little bit of adjustment, but other than that, it's really nice um, for the age. Um, everything looks and sounds really good on it. Um, and uh, I also got yesterday um, a lens for the for the Nikon S2. Now my plan had been I've been lusting over the W Nikkor 35 millimeter F 2.5, which was one of the lenses originally made for this camera. Um, and actually saw one in person yesterday, uh, which was kind of okay. It wasn't great. So I, you know, I didn't buy it, but what I did also see yesterday, um, was the, hold on, maybe double check that. I saw, I, I did also see yesterday the Voigtlander 25 millimeter F four in, uh, S mount which will mount natively on the Nikon. And I looked at that lens and actually was really impressed by the build quality and how it looked and everything. So um, the one I looked at, I, I, it was like, it was mint in the box. This guy had a, um, a, a 25 F4. Uh, he had the 35 2.4 and he had the 21 uh, F4 Voigtlanders all in S mount, new in the box. And I, I was looking at each one and this guy swore that he'd never had them basically out of the house. And all three of them had problems like just sitting in the box. Uh, the 25 millimeter was a little hazy. The 21 had a scratch on the back. So anyway, I, I passed on those, um, and, uh, went home and bought the, the Voigtlander 25, four directly from camera quest. Um, which is really funny because Stephen Gandy of camera quest was at the Chicago photo show. So I had just talked to him earlier, uh, in the day, um, and got to meet him in person, which was pretty cool. So anyway, I, I bought the 25 F4 Voigtlander. Um, apparently there are only 800 of those lenses produced and, uh, camera quest still has some of these, um, you know, Nikkor lenses, uh, Nikkor compatible lenses, uh, still in stock new on camera quest. So I, I picked up the 24, 25 because I already have the 21 in LTM. So I figured that didn't make sense. And honestly, I mean, I, I like shooting the 35 F2 on the Canon 
pee so much, I figured why replicate the focal length because then I'll have to decide which camera I want to take, you know, if I'm going to shoot 35. So I, I got the 25 for uh, the Nikon. So that way I've got a different focal length on each camera. So I'm more inclined to, you know, to mix it up and, and shoot them or carry them both. Um, so that, that was really exciting because I, I've, I've been looking at that 25 millimeter Voigtlander for quite a while, um, for LTM, but I didn't know if I'd really be using it enough. So now that I, I'm going to have it for a completely different camera mount, I figured that was a good way to kind of force myself to use it. So I'm, um, I'm quite disappointed yeah. in you there, Johnny, because I, I thought you were, you know, you were going to you've got your, your, your Nikon camera, your rangefinder camera. And I thought you were going to free lens your LTM 39 Jupiter 12. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no free lensing on the Nikon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it's I, I don't, I don't know how well it will work out. So I, I figured I would do it right and get an actual lens. So tell me about these camera bodies. Um, so you, you said, um, I believe that um, this, this camera is is far superior to anything that Leica um, made. And then, <laughs> um, and then, and then Simon also recently said Canon P, and that it 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 isn't a Leica. <laughs> well, all right. So here, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you my take on on that. I, so actually, uh, Johnny, can we? Could you give a <laughs> yeah. quick potted history of your, of that of that Nikon camera as well? So that, uh, a lot of people won't quite know what that camera is that you've got, and uh, a little bit of its history. I think that might be quite useful. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so the the Nikon S two is. Uh, well, so Nikon started building. Nikon never had built cameras until after the Second World War, right? So. They built their. They had been an optical manufacturer. They actually made the the first lenses for early Canon cameras. Um, so anyway, the the Nikon S two is based on uh, the design of the Contax. So it's got the same, you know, Contax Kiev kind of funky mount. It's just that, that it's slightly different. Which there's. I'm not going to try to explain all that now because it's a big hairy topic. But essentially, it has the same mount as a Kiev camera or a or a Contax camera. Um, uh, many would argue that it's actually the best of the three designs, which I would argue that as well, personally. Um, and it's a really well-built camera. It's basically a mid, mid fifties, uh, range finder has a one-to-one -one viewfinder. So it was the first model where, um, they gave this camera one-to-one -one viewfinder. It's got a very bright, uh, focusing patch. Um, it's just a, a really good, sturdy, durable um, functional rangefinder, and and a lot of people, including Bob Rodoloni, who I talked to, consider it the best user camera of all the Nikon rangefinders, and that and that's my concern. I mean, I want to. It's a for me, it's absolutely a user camera. Um, Johnny, can I, can I yeah. stop you there? I mean, you've, yeah. you've just had uh, one to one viewfinder there. I'm yeah. not. I'm not entirely clear what that is, and I'm sure there are plenty of other people. That okay. Don't know. So when you look through the viewfinder, so if you, you you when you look through the viewfinder, if you look and have both of your eyes open, it looks like stereo vision because there's no magnification or or um, wider angle to the viewfinder. So if you you know if you if you look at uh, uh, most Leicas other than the M3, which also has a one to one viewfinder, most of them have a viewfinder magnification of like point. 58 0.72 um, 0.8 something on on a couple of them so it actually makes the the viewfinder slightly wider angle than your vision um, in order to bring in more of the scene well that 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 this camera the s2 
and the M3 both have one-to-one viewfinders, meaning there's no magnification or wider angle effect when you look through the viewfinder, which I personally really like. Um, my Canon P is the same way. Uh, and, I, and I like that because I shoot with both, both eyes open. It makes focusing easier. So some people really like it the other way. I really like the one-to-one viewfinder. So that, that's why I actually settled on this camera versus one of the later well, cameras just, like the okay S- just S3 just else. just yeah. as a just as a point there so therefore yeah. if you're going to shoot wider than say fit was that effectively saying it's a 50 millimeter finder isn't it yeah exactly yeah basically yeah. yes yeah so if so if you're uh, shooting wider than 50 50 millimeters then that's where you're probably looking at sticking on one of those viewfinders that clips on yeah the, uh, absolutely shoot, kind of yeah right so yeah. so similarly similarly to how i shoot the canon p um, I just put an external viewfinder on the top since I'm going to use wide-angle lenses. So basically, you're using the internal viewfinder only for focusing if you're using wider-angle lenses. Um, and actually, you're doing probably I'll probably do a lot of scale focusing uh, with the 25-millimeter lens. So the viewfinder is like, it, it, in other words, it, for focusing, it's going to be really accurate, but I'm not actually going to use the viewfinder or the frame line built into the camera because it's 50 millimeter, right? So I'm going to pop on an external finder, which I shoot that way all the time. So, to, so for me, from a user standpoint, it's, you know, it's kind of ideal. Um, so, um, but, but kind of back to the, what you were saying, Carl, I, it, in my eyes, I, I have now two out of the three of what I would say are probably the most desirable user rangefinder cameras ever. I mean, to me, the, the, the Canon P, um, in LTM, this Nikon S2 and Nikon S mount, and then debatable whether it's the M2 or the M3. I, w- I think I would actually choose an M3, or I'm sorry, an M2. So at some some point someday, maybe I'll get an M2 and have the, you know, the triumvirate of what I would call the the best user, you know, rangefinders. Um, but that's probably some point far in the future because I don't know when I'm ever going to be able to afford any M lenses, and uh, it. It, to me, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense to buy a M2 just to stick all my existing LTM lenses on. I guess it would. Um, the finder is really, really nice, but you know, usability-wise, I'm perfectly fine with with the Canon P. So, but we'll see. Maybe someday. So, Simon, why why didn't you like the Canon P compared to the M2? Um. I, I, the Canon P, in fact, a lot of the, the Canon LTM uh, cameras I've, I've, I'm quite quite drawn to because uh, Johnny goes on about them over and over again about just how good they are. And um, and I was at the, I'll talk about it more a uh, little bit later at the Wolverhampton Camera Fair. And there were there were a couple for sale and they were on a pretty sensible prices as, as well. So I take a, I took a, a look at them. In the end, I didn't go for either of them as much as anything because they, the uh, I think they've got metal metal shutters on them in the same way as you have uh, a cloth shutter uh, mm-hmm. that go horizontally across. Um, I think these have metal shutters that, that move horizontally, and they were they were crinkled. Um, yeah, they get crinkled. Yes, yeah. that's normal though. That's that doesn't that's normal. Yeah. it doesn't affect a function at all. So no, a bit like, yeah, well, <laughs> um, it it's it certainly it didn't enamor me to them at least anyway. But uh, um, no, when I, when I picked it up, it's I'm, I'm still quite new to to the Leica M2, uh, but the Leica M2 just feels. Just just feels great, and um, the, the the solidity of it and the, everything about it is just it just feels really good. Um, whereas the 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 Canon P it just felt 
considerably lighter, which you could argue, well, that's that's fine. Plenty of people want a lighter camera. And it's not to say that the uh, it's not as well built or anything like that, because I think Leicas tend to be over-engineered, and I think sometimes they're deliberately over-engineered, um, just to emphasise a point almost. Um, but just, just the actual feel of it, it's it just it felt cheaper um but the the biggest disappointment was looking through the viewfinder and looking at the viewfinder patch um because that's something about the m2 was i've been using a, a like a 3g before this and i've really struggled with it um, because the the, the viewfinder is tiny on on all of those screw uh, um, likers and it's much brighter, and it's uh, and the but the patch in the centre uh, on the on the M2 is just just brilliant. It's just super sharp. Um, you know it's in focus or not. And I didn't get that feeling at all uh, with the Canon P. So that pretty much ended my interest in those. I'm I'm wondering if you might not have looked through one that did not have a real bright uh, rangefinder patch because because a good one like I have a really really good one and it's just as bright as a Leica, or let's say it's 95% as bright as a M2 or an M3. What, what's different is the, the focus patch is not that super crisp rectangle like you get in an M camera. It's, you know, it's still a round dot yes. within the viewfinder. There, that's why I, I put a little um, uh, colored window over my patch because it actually it pops a little bit more but they should be very bright if it's not bright it's probably that there's you know well, the camera may have an issue yeah it wasn't supposed to brighten so, and by the way i tried yeah. to, there were two of them there and they were both okay. pretty much the same it, okay and, uh, and it's yeah, the, yeah the, it was bright but i think it's that uh yeah, reason it's for the reason edge, right yeah, yeah i mean why yeah. why do it as a i think it was like an, an ellipse i think and i'm thinking yeah you know, why, circle, right? why, why why do it that way when i mean most of the time when i use this kind of thing i'm i'm trying to focus on some kind of hor horizontal line somewhere in the shot and you're you're reducing the ability to find as as, as much of an horiz of a horizontal line by having yeah. that those rounded edges i just found it really frustrating yeah, I, th I think it's just one of those things you kind of get used to. You know what I mean? Your eye gets adjusted to it. But I, you're, you're right. I mean, it's the, there's nothing like that super crisp focus patch on a you know M2, M3, etc. I mean, that that's that's really pretty much unique to to Leica. I mean, that's what that's what makes them special. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of it's context to what you have to compare to. So you've been using something that's fantastic, and then sure, this isn't yeah. quite as good. And it, it's like it's it's like me using. Um, the Canon, which I really like. And then I went up to um, visit my brothers and my family and uh, borrowed my my, um, my brother's Voigtlander uh, Bessa R4M. And yeah, same deal. When I looked in, <laughs> the, in the rangefinder window, I thought, oh my God, this is amazing how bright yeah, this is. Yeah, yeah. It was just perfect, crisp, sharp. I've never seen anything like it. Another yeah. another quick thing about uh, about this camera and in uh, the the S two now going back to uh, what we're talking about now and when when we say it shares the same mount that's not entirely true is it um, no but that's it's not it's not a hundred percent in other words the S mount the Nikon S mount and the Context Kiev mount are slightly different and it has to, like I said I don't want to dive too far into that because it's very technical and there are different opinions as to why that is the case but basically it comes down to the fact that after the war um the 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 contacts patents were no longer valid because they lost the war and so the basically the japanese camera company started copying 
uh, German designs, but when they copied it, you know, basically it's a, um, there's a slight difference in how the, the mount was copied, which it is a very complicated mount. And um, so it's slightly different. Uh, it's, it's technically the same, but slightly different. So the focusing, especially with 50 millimeter lenses and above would be slightly off. If you took a, you know, let's say you took a, a contacts mount lens and put it on a Nikon camera, 50 millimeter, it'll fit, it'll focus. But as you focus that lens closer from infinity, the difference in the focusing is going to be more apparent. So you would probably get some misfocusing with wider angle lenses. It doesn't really matter. You have more depth of field, but so technically they're different mounts. Um, and it's, it's just because of the complexity of the contacts mount. And actually I had a really cool conversation with Bob Rodoloni about that. And he, he basically said that when Nikon first started building S mount cameras, um, you know, they, they were, they were, they, they just basically chucked a lot of them, uh, because if they didn't, they required a lot of lathe work. And if they weren't right, you basically had to just chuck it and start over. So it's a very kind of demanding mount in the Nikon. Um, and the one that I have focuses really, really smooth and it's really nice. So all I really need to do is get the rangefinder adjusted at some point. Um, but I mean, I'm going to use it with a wide angle lens almost exclusively. So it's not really that big a deal to begin with anyway. Um, so yeah. Any other questions about the Nikon there, Simon? Yeah. What other exciting things? Okay. Other exciting things. So, um, so I also got at the show, uh, I met Vlad at the show and he brought me a couple of gift lenses. So I want to give uh, Vlad a shout out for those. Uh, Montgomery Ward 67-1-528, which is a, a 135 2.8 M42 lens, which it, it looks very suspiciously like it was made by Tokina, which they made a lot of lenses for the department store, the department stores in the U S and elsewhere, which is how this one's branded. So I'm pretty sure that's a Tokina. Um, and he also brought me a, what he, what Vlad said was a, a very late production, uh, in 50 dash two M 42. And it, it's really clean. And the paint, like it's got the the paint on it's really bright, so apparently it's a very late production. Uh, let me see if it's got a serial number. Um, serial number. Yeah, yes, it does. Serial number is eighty three one 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 five one three. So it, it, it's not one of those special lenses owned by Communist Party officials that uh, Carl collects. Carl only buys those. This isn't one of those. It's just a nice pedestrian. Uh, in the star 50-2. So I have I have one of those to play with, which this is far nicer than <laughs> any of the ones I have seen in the past. So thank you, Vlad, for that. Uh, very much appreciated. Um, and then I got two other things to talk about because I'm not done yet. Um, so uh, back earlier in the year, I had sent off um, a whole bunch of cameras to uh, Mike Ekman to visit Mike Ekman's camera spa. Um, and I, I sent Mike a few, uh, a few things for, you know, for him to just keep kind of in return for doing some work on a couple cameras for me. Uh, and those cameras are, uh, the Ansco Agfa Caramat, which has a Schneider, uh, Zenon 50 F2 lens on it. So a really fantastic lens on a really fantastic little fixed lens, um, range finder. Uh, so, so basically when I got this camera at an estate sale for, I don't know, I think 10 bucks about 
five or six years ago, it was completely frozen. Like you could not turn uh, the focus mount at all. It just was completely frozen, which is very common with these because the uh, the lubricants that they used in them basically turned into just completely, they completely solidified into like, you know, like a Crayola crayon. That's like the consistency of what happens to the, the grease in these. So um, Mike's done a few of these and, and Mike uh, basically stripped out uh, the shutter and stripped out all that uh, solidified grease and got this thing working like beautifully. Um, so it's a really great little camera uh, with a nice viewfinder. It, it, it's interesting. It, it uses, um, as Mike described it, and you should check out Mike. Uh, Mike, I'm pretty sure, has a really good review of a similar camera on his website. But basically, it uses a, a prism system. Um, to to do the focusing. So it has sort of like two rectangular windows on the front. So the camera itself has a really kind of unique look to it. Um, but it has a really fantastic lens. The, the, the 50F2 lens is, you know, is really pretty remarkable and the viewfinder is nice. So I've really been enjoying shooting that this week. Um, and it, it's just the camera weighs a ton and it's, it's, it's about the same size as my uh, Petri. Um, it's about the same size and dimensions. So it's, it feels really, really good in the hand. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying that one quite a bit. And the other camera that, that Mike, uh, worked on for me, uh, is a Voigtlander Bessa one, which is a, uh, a six by nine centimeter folding camera. So it makes a, a, a huge image on a big piece of film on 120 film. And when I got this camera, it had on it mounted on it a, a 105 millimeter f 4.5 Vascar lens, which is a triplet, which is a very respectable lens. But, but about the same time I got this camera, I I also got super cheap at one of the camera shows, um, a 105 3.5 Scopar lens. So I always kind of had it in my head that I wanted to put. Uh, the 105 Scopar on this camera in place of the Vascar just to have a, you know, a Tessar formula lens versus a triplet. So I, I sent, I sent this all off to Mike. I sent him the camera and the lens and he's like, all right, yeah, no problem. I'll do it. So, so, <laughs> so poor Mike, um, he sent me this horror story about trying to get the old lens off, trying to get the new lens on. His wife had to help him. You know, he was sc screaming and swearing at the camera. So I felt, I felt really guilty that I had... I can, I can see two of them with, with a piece of rope and pulling against each yeah, other. Yeah, 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 basically, yeah, yeah. So, so I felt really guilty that I put Mike through the pain of <laughs> trying to get this thing mounted on here. So he, he got it mounted on there. He collimated it and everything. The, the, the shutter is still a little funky, like the slow speeds, like... Um, like one second, a half second, you know, fifth of a second are all slow, but I mean, that's really fine. I, I, what I want to use this for is, is basically a walk around, you know, six by nine camera for doing like streetscapes and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, you know, not, it's not panorama format. It's basically the same aspect ratio as 35 millimeter, but a gigantic piece of film, you know? So, and it folds up to nothing. I mean, it folds up flat, you know, it folds up to this inch, inch thick kind of thing um so it's just like this amazing the little camera to carry around with a really really good lens um that uh i'm super super excited to to shoot this thing um because i you know i i i'd love to carry around a, a medium format camera with me day to day but it's it's hard to do i only have so much space in my bag and and this thing will it'll be really easy to carry around so um 
I'm I'm very excited about that. And uh, at the and of course, I can't use any camera until I have a yellow filter to put on it. So uh, also at the camera show, I found a um, a slip-on filter uh, which fits over the lens on this camera. A slip-on adapter from um, uh, Jim Emerson, who's a local guy here in Chicago as well. Uh, so I found, an, I found a filter adapter for it. I've got Series 6 filters, so basically this thing is all set to shoot landscapes. Um, so that's not really a new acquisition, I guess, but it's sort of a, a new-to-me acquisition. Um, and just to make this classic lenses specific, I'm looking at the, uh, the lens, which I have open in T mode right now, and it has 10 blades. So it is a, um, a 105... 3.5 scope bar with 10 blades. Very nice lens. And I think that's all the new stuff I've got. Oh, no, I have one more thing. I have one more thing. <laughs> but it's kind of a sad story. I have, um, I guess I'll have to put a link to this camera. I'm just winding it up and shooting it, which you can hear it right here. So that is the sound of a Fuji Rensacardia which it's hard to describe what this camera does, but let's just say it's essentially a little camera with eight lenses. And what it does is it takes a sequence of exposures. Um, so you could do things like analyze your golf swing or your, you know, your long jump. Um, that's, that's, a, that's the camera that looks a bit like it should have like that Knight Rider uh, yeah, LED going yeah, yeah. across the front of it from left, left to right and back. Yeah, it's exactly like that. And I'll, I'll put a picture of it. So anyway, I bought this thing kind of on a whim. I'd always wanted one. I saw one cheap. I'm like, all right, I'll just get it. So I got it. And the problem with it is the um, I, I, you can hear me winding it here. But what happens is the it, when you put a roll of film in, it winds, but the film does not actually wind onto the take-up spool. So in other words, there's some sort of uh, probably broken shaft between the little wind knob thumb wheel and the actual take up spool. It just doesn't turn. So I got a, I got a refund on it, but it was like, yeah, it was kind of a bummer because it was, you know, I was really looking forward to using it. I put a roll of film in it right away, just a test roll and I'm shooting, shooting, shooting. I'm like, you know, I've taken a lot of shots on this roll. Why is it still going? <laughs> and it's because the film was not whining through the camera so a little bit of a bummer i am undecided if i'm going to get another one i i might just because i think it's going to be just a goofy way to take interesting panorama shots um but we'll see i don't know it, it was cheap but i don't know if i want to like take another chance on it i might just hack into this one and see if i can get it working so oh you know i forgot to mention um my um sad story <laughs> 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 and, it, and it's a it's, a, it's something that people would be interested in hearing, maybe, because it's a, a desirable lens. Um, and some people might have one that's perfectly fine. But um, so uh, an Olympus OM 51.4 silver nose. So, so uh, I know of at least three Olympus OM 51.4s. There's one that uh, says um, MC, uh, multi-coded. And then there's one um, that, that just says OM um, 51.4. And I don't know what what if it's a, if it's a G Zuko I, I don't remember um, I don't have let's see it says OM system G Zuko Auto S uh, 1.4 F equal 50 millimeters. There's one where, that the front edge is black, and then there's one where, where the front edge is silver. And the silver one is a very different lens than the other two. It's shorter by about a third, and it's heavier, oriented uh, glass element near the back. And and in my experience. It's sharper. They demand a higher price, 
And um, I probably had six of them. And I've had one during that time that didn't have fungus. And I wish that I wish that I had kept it, but but I sold it along, and I've, I've never tried one on my Sony. And um, I, I saw one on eBay the other day on uh, an auction by some someone pretty close by here in the U.S. And he had listed it for forty five dollars, and no one was bidding on it. I thought, oh, damn, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna snipe it for seventy dollars because uh, a mint one of these now is over. And I'm looking on eBay and, and knowing that you're going to get one that's really going to be mint, maybe, and not have fungus, could be anywhere from 100 to 129 dollars. And uh, I got it for 45 dollars, and um, and it came last week, and I held it up to the light, just the ceiling light. It's great, it's crystal clear, and the aperture worked beautifully, and it was smooth. And and uh, so then I got out my flashlight and shone it in, and it's fungus on the on the rear elements where it always is on this lens, all around the outside. Um, a big blotch of it on one side. And, um, and so I contacted the guy, well, he gave me a refund right away and I uh, contacted him and I said, you didn't uh, do the normal refund where I get my mailing label and I have your lens and your money now. And he said, just keep it. So, so I have this lens sitting up in a windowsill and uh, I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do with it. Um, I might try to take it apart and clean it, but when I, but so I've had, th- th- this is a problem with silver nose 51.8 also. And I've twice tried to take those apart and clean them and ruin them. But um, this is essentially a free lens. I, I could try again, or I could, I might give it a try on the camera and, and see what the images look like. I mean, or, if, you, uh, if, if you can't, if you can only, you know, when you just, if you're holding the thing up to the light, just, just normally, and you can't see yeah. the, the problem, it's not going to give you a problem when you're using it. Okay. Um, yeah. And but, and if it's effectively free, yeah, use it and see what see what you like. I mean, if it's got a character about it that you that you you like, and certainly, the the Olympus fifty one point fours do have their own character. There's no two ways about yeah, it. They've got a yeah. uh, an interesting effect in the in the bokeh. Um, mm. They're not they're certainly not the, the the sharpest of those lenses, but. I don't. I don't think we really should care too much about the sharpness, but there's a, there is a look about them. Sometimes I think they can look a little bit uncouth, but um, other times they can produce something that's really, really nice. So if it works and you've got it for nothing, keep it and use it, or sell it and uh, just say that it's got some some fungus in it, and you'll get certainly more for it than you've paid for it, uh, even though you haven't paid anything technically now, of course. So there's something uh, about the coating on this particular lens that that's like a. a growth medium for fungus uh, i can't yeah. I, I don't i don't understand i mean i, I had one to get fungus i mean I, I don't have fungus on any lens in my collection and i've had one get develop fungus and um and i'd say the chance of, 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 of buying one with this is a great lens I mean, it's a fantastic lens but the chance of getting one without fungus is maybe one in five on the optimistic side i think that is optimistic i've i think i'm about <laughs> one in eight <laughs> there, I, I see them here, and they're it's a little less likely to have fungus. I think because I'm in a more temperate environment where, it, well, it feels no, like it's not it's no, not humid no. all the time. But I mean, I you know I have seen them also even up here with fungus, which is a little more unusual in Chicago. I mean, we, you know, if the lens has lived here most of its life, it probably doesn't have fungus. But I have seen them. You know, in those lenses, I have probably four or five of those without fungus at the shop right now. Though I'm the best find... to buy one from Central Camera, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll 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 give you the standard discount. <laughs> Zero. 
Only only what three hundred dollars. <laughs> no, they're you're right. No, they're they they go about one like one twenty nine. Yeah. You know, right in there. Yeah, that's a good price. Yeah. But there's there's definitely something about them. They they are fungus magnets. There's no two ways yeah. about it. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this in a in a podcast. I've certainly talked about it in photography with classic lenses before now. Um and that um Olympus had a bit of an issue. Um, and, and this probably explains quite a bit of it with uh, standard lenses, uh, because most people back in the day would buy a, an ever-ready leather case mm. uh, with their camera and their 50mm lens. And uh, there was something that Olympus used in the construction of that case. Uh, I think it had something to do with the adhesive that was used. And it used to um, attract a certain kind of mite you know, so a microscopic insect would like to feed on that, and then uh, it would then migrate itself and go into the lens uh, because there'll be something in there that's just as yummy to it. Um, so it, that's that's one of the reasons why actually why you get it seem, seemingly uh, Olympus seem to be a, a a make that you tend to get more fungus and other other lenses that's that's my experience and i think it has absolutely to do yeah. with this uh, uh lens case might could be uh, you know actually a lot of it's interesting you say that uh simon because i've noticed we get a lot of used cameras that come through the, i mean we get dozens of cameras every week that we have to inspect and um cameras that have been kept in a leather case for decades are far more likely to have issues like that because of the the leather, you know, because it's, I mean, it's natural substance and um, they're likely, they're more likely to be very uh, clean, <laughs> you know, like scratch free and like condition wise, they look, you know, no tiny scratch on the outside, whatever, but inside, yeah, they're more likely to develop haze and fungus sitting inside those leather cases so well that's going to be uh, largely down to the uh, to to the inside of those cases where sure. uh, they're going to yeah. retain moisture absolutely yeah forget yeah. forget this issue with the uh, adhesive and stuff you know if sure. if it's been exposed to moisture and then you wrap it up then it's going to retain that moisture yeah. and that moisture absolutely. is going to help the fungus that's already in there but chances are you know almost every well, you know, I, I hate to think what percentage it will be, but it's probably around about 70, 80 percent of all lenses that are actually out there and including like lenses that are actually new mm -hmm. um, have fungal spores in them. Anything that um, when, sure. you, when you focus or you, you move your zoom lens and it, uh, it lets air into uh, the, the, the cavities where the, uh, where the, where the optics are, um, yeah. you're going to get uh, yeast spores and all sorts of things just, just being sucked in there. But in most cases, or in a lot of cases, if it stays dry, um, those spores aren't going to, I don't think germinate is quite the right word, but uh, they're certainly not going to be activated and start to actually uh, grow. So they'll just stay there. Right. But if you give them the right conditions, then at some point you know, that trigger point will happen and they'll start to grow. Yep, absolutely. Uh, right, well, um, let's, uh, I guess. Didn't we'll you get about. anything, Simon? Yeah, well, funnily enough, I've actually <laughs> bought, I've done a bit of a call. And, oh, uh, I I bought something about ten minutes ago. Oh, what did you get? <laughs> I I got a Asahi fifty eight millimeter f two point four from Japan. You bought one of those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when when Carl when you said like there was like five of them on there and uh, one one of them was better than the other four, I thought I'm going to get that one. Screw <laughs> you, you guys! I should have waited to buy my Voigtlander till the podcast this morning. 
I think so, yeah, because all the others have got like the, 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 some some kind of problems, like whether it be cleaning marks or oil on the blade. I know, I know so. to buy the one with the tiny scratch now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I got the. Uh, I got the one with just uh, with the with the tiny dust. dust. Tiny dust. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, uh, which, yeah. So I'm gonna uh, keep my mouth shut next time when I have it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. So it's. Um, yeah, I, that's that's a lens I've been looking for. I've had literally I've had that on on a search uh, in the UK on the eBay for ages, and when they come up, they come up for silly money. Um, although that said, though, I think I I know what I've done wrong um, because I've been typing in Pentax uh, on my on my search, and um, and it doesn't say Pentax on the lens. It's it's Asahi and then the part of Japan where it's made, and it says Takuma or Takuma. Uh, whichever. Um, yeah. so, but Simon, there is also okay, but it. I, are you sure it wasn't you were seeing the 58? So there's the there's two lenses, right? The there's also the Takamar, which is the sonar formula in the same focal length, which that one is always really pricey. And the well, 2.4, which isn't the sonar, is generally a little bit more affordable. So, and I think they come up the same, is the thing. Well, you know what I mean? To, to, be, to be fair, I, I, I knew that the, the one I've been after is the Helio. I've yeah, okay, wanted, okay. specifically yeah. wanting that one. Um, right. And you've said something new about uh, being a, a sonar version. Um, yeah. I don't so, know what I've been finding that's been so much, but generally <laughs> speaking, when they're in the UK, they're just very expensive. And, yeah. uh, I never thought to even look in Japan. Yeah, so that, like right now, um, there's I'm looking at, I just typed in Takamar 58mm, and the first thing that comes up is the 58 F2, which is, if you look at it, it actually has a preset ring on the front, right? And it, and that's at, that is the sonar formula lens, and that one is listed right here from Japan, two hundred twenty five dollars. The one right below it is the fifty eight f two point four, yeah, uh, which is listed at eighty eight dollars. So I those two, I think they kind of show up together, and yeah, the one is definitely like here's another one. <laughs> I scrolled down a little bit. Here's another fifty eight f two that's three twenty five. And then below it is another 58 2.4, which is 129. So it's like they kind of get all mixed in together. Oh my God, somebody's got a very rare one from Japan listed for $622. So. And so, Simon, is it going to be easy to find the step up ring? What, 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 what will you search for on eBay to find that? I'll, I'll look for um, 37 to 30, uh, 37 40. to 39, I guess. Ideally, 42. it's 40 or to 42. Yeah. So, yeah, 42. I don't know if it exists, but I mean, there's got to be a way of doing it. I yeah. hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, you can't. It's it's going to be relatively easy to adapt, and I've got lots of weird um, size adapters that I picked up over the years for different and larger lenses and things like that. So um, yeah. um, I, I imagine I can get get something to work. Yeah, okay, yeah they do have it. Thirty-seven to forty-two millimeter right. filter. Yeah. Filter. Filter. Yeah. No, I don't know. It said it just it should be an adapt an adapter ring. Yeah, don't get a step up ring. That would be bad. Um, but there, yeah, there should just be a step ring because I'm if I'm not mistaken, the register distance is the same between the two. I should probably double check that. But I'm well, that, I'm that, pretty that, sure. Yeah, the the register's less less of an issue because I'll just be putting right. it onto a onto a helicoid anyway. Oh uh, right, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, no no issue at all. Um, yeah, right. So yeah, so that's uh, that's that's the that's the big news. Uh, all right. Um, so Great. I'm looking for look. Thank you, Carl. Um, <laughs> so looking looking forward to that landing now and uh, showing some great pictures. But uh, right. is it is this Heliot so, thing? I, I don't I don't. I, you know, I've I've heard about Heliot and um, and then I read uh, Cheyenne's uh, article and it's the only 
uh, SLR heli art in the world. Um, and I'm thinking that you know that's good good money, but the, the photographs just look great that uh, that uh, Cheyenne shared. So um, yeah, yeah. What yeah. can you say? So can I make an admission of something I'm looking at eBay right now and look started looking on last night? Um, Simon, this is mostly for your enjoyment that I'm going to admit this, but <laughs> I'm looking at Jupiter 12 lenses in contacts Kiev mount, and the reason I'm looking at those is because now. My original plan was I wasn't going to buy a Nikon S2. I was going to buy the W Nikkor 35 millimeter uh, S-mount lens, and I was going to put it on my Kiev because I have a Kiev that runs great. I have a really nice Kiev. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just buy the lens. Well, and then I started thinking, well, I really kind of want a camera, a Nikon camera for that, you know, the Nikon lens. So then I end up buying not the Nikon lens at all, buying the Nikon camera, which wasn't the original plan, buying a Voigtlander lens to go on the Nikon camera. And now I'm like, well, I, I don't need the Nikon lens to go in the Kiev, so I'll just get a Jupiter 12, which is a lens I've disparaged repeatedly. <laughs> um, but I like the image quality out of the Jupiter 12. I just don't like the construction. But then I realized, because I've seen them in person, is that my problem with the Jupiter 12 is that it I hate it in LTM because what happens is you try to, adjust the aperture ring and even when you're focusing you that lens will start unscrewing out of the mount which really is not nice um mm. user wise so but I, what i realized is that the the jupiter 12 in the kiev mount is is a much better design functionally so because it locks in right i mean the the mm. lens is locked onto the camera because the mount's different and the the ring the aperture ring seems to be a bit easier to get to on the the Kiev mount version. So I'm going to get, and I know this because there's one at the shop and I've played with it quite a bit. So I am going to get for my Kiev, I'm going to get a Jupiter 12 and that's going to live on my, on my Kiev. So that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're going to bitch about turning the uh, aperture. Down. No, 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 I don't No, No, that's actually not a problem because um, uh, the trick is you put a, um, a hood, you just screw a, a lens hood into the aperture ring and oh, you just turn the hood to turn the aperture. And it, it actually works really well. I mean, the other thing that really bugs me about the that lens and just bugs me in general about uh, Russian LTM you know, lenses, M39 lenses, is that they don't have click stops for the aperture. So you have to like check the lens all the time, which I kind of do anyway. But you have to really make sure your aperture hasn't changed between shots, which I hate. Uh, but it's just part of the deal, whatever. Um, so it's, it's like lens chimping. Yeah, base basically. You just have to just make sure you have it. Which I mean, to be honest, I do that anyway on my rangefinder lenses, just out of habit. But they never change really. If it's the click stop, they do, but not not really. But you have to kind of look into the lens since the aperture marking is inside the lens barrel. So you have to point the stupid thumbs at your face and actually look down into the lens barrel. Um, but whatever. It's I, I really like shooting my my Kiev. Um, to the point that it made me buy the Nikon. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I'm I'm not gonna buy it here right now on eBay. I could, but I'm not going to. I think what I'm gonna try to do is take my two LTM Jupiter 12s to the shop and trade them for the Kiev Jupiter 12. I'll just I'll just give them like actually I got three. I'll give them all three. I'll give my three Jupiter 12 LTMs and trade it for like the one Contacts LTM Kiev LTM. So Simon, if you find this part, this 37 to 42 adapter ring send me the link because i'm looking at this 
uh, fine cleaning mark one right now. now, that you, now, that, now yeah, that I, bought, I really didn't want that one. Now that you bought the good one. Right. Yeah, you really didn't want it. was just, well, not affect picture quality. Tiny <laughs> <laughs> dust, new cleaning marks, no impact when taking a photo. This is the same trick I played on Carl when he bought the the, the Nikon that I was going to go buy in person from the seller here in Chicago. He's like, did you get that 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 camera? I'm like, no, not yet. He's like, well, good, because I just bought it. But Nikon, now that you, the trick was you've now doubled your investment on that camera because you had to get it cleaned again. So well done. Oh, the Leica. The Leica. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the Leica. <laughs> yeah, he told me it was cleaned and adjusted. Well, it was. It's just you don't spend double the value of the camera to get you clean it within reason, Carl. Hey, it's a special camera. It's eighty years old. I know you. You love it. I agree. That camera is that camera is magic. It has so much character. It has an initial engraved in it. I mean, that camera has like stories. So yeah. I, I I actually agree with you. It's it's like it's it's such a it, almost piece of history that it, it's. I'm right. I'm really glad that it went to someone who has the the bank account that it can afford to spend money to get it fixed. Cause I couldn't. <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> Mr. Dot edu man. When are you getting your M10 Carl? No, no. <laughs> an M2, an M2. Sorry. Okay. All right. An M2. <laughs> I've, I've, I've now started looking at hoods for this lens. Was I just spotted one? <laughs> and the, the hoods as much as the lens. Yeah. It's just, yeah. You know, oh, you know what though? Um, just get the knockoff. Some yeah. of these old Takamars. So on my uh, Auto Takamar 55 2.5 2.2. All right, yeah. The hood from the uh, from the cheap 135 3.5 um, Super Takamar fits perfectly. It looks funny because it's a, not the right hood for a 50 millimeter lens, but it doesn't block with you. <laughs> Never mind those vignettings in the corner. No, it doesn't do that. It does not vignette. No. Not I'm not even on your full frame. No, absolutely okay. not. All right. That's actually yeah, I believe I it. Use it if it did. Yeah, you would. <laughs> well, so so anyway, so that that's wow. That's, that's, you know, the the gear acquisition monkey in full effect today after two weeks <laughs> off. I hope everybody's really proud of us. Well, that's, that's <laughs> I, I, I think this really sucks. This buying this lens. After <laughs> well, that's that's 30, it's thirty six episodes, and that's the first time I've actually bought a lens on, on, on the episode. So I've done pretty well there. You know, I, yeah, but you're not supposed to do that to a friend. um actually jupiter 11s uh, sorry jupiter 12s um there are two versions well there are lots of versions but there seem to be like two main optical versions as well um maybe more but i noticed that that it's it's an amazing looking lens in its in its own right Uh, not necessarily Mm -hmm. from the front but from the back um that that's because it's got that bulbous Mm-hmm. Um, rear element that that looks like it's going to uh, hit your sensor yep. or the film plane and stuff like that, but the the older lenses um, have got uh, like a, a metal rim that partially yeah. surround the rear mm-hmm. element, and something I've never I've never actually had one of those lenses. I've seen them, um, but I I don't know how they compare to the to the later the later ones. Do you know, Johnny? I don't think. There's a significant difference in them optically. I mean, they're all based on the on the bygone, um, which actually I saw yesterday at the Chicago Camera Show. I saw a by you know a, 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 the bygone, which is the lens that the Jupiter Twelve was based on. Um, I probably should have bought it. Nah, I guess not. Whatever. Um, 
anyway, I did see I did see one yesterday. And if you look at the old biogons, I mean, again, keep in mind this is after the war. They a lot of the early biogons for the Kiev cameras. I mean, we know the Kiev cameras were actually built. They were basically entirely German parts, German built, built in Germany. The same with a lot of the biogon lenses, the early ones that are marked. I think they're marked uh, like Krasnogorsk, you know, similarly to the way some of the um, the the sonars, like the Jupiter threes, are. Uh, they're they're marked the same way, but they're actually completely. The early ones are completely built from German glass, German parts, German builders, German hands in Germany. Um, so those are out there as well. Um, so that, so the Jupiter 12 is, is basically as, you know, a, supposedly a straight, a straight copy of the, of that Biagon. So, um, but the Biagons are obviously, you know, they go for a very different price than the Jupiter 12s do. So, so- that's a, that's a thought actually just without going into what the details are because it sounds like it's pretty complicated but um, yeah. we already touched upon uh, that the, uh, the the Kiev lenses and the contacts lenses are different or at least the mount on the Nikon is different and you're going to put a Soviet lens onto your Nikon no, no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a Soviet lens on my Soviet camera. I'm gonna put a Oh, I thought you were gonna Yeah, I'm gonna put a, I'm gonna put a Jupiter twelve on my Kiev. Right. So that it's okay. you know Soviet Soviet all happy there. And then I'm gonna put a Voigtlander lens on my Nikon. Right. And okay. because it's a twenty four millimeter lens, it's wide enough that it's basically adaptable to either, you know, a contacts or a Nikon, or, you know, Voigtlander made a version of the Vesa with a Nikon S-mount. So that's why they made the lenses. Um, so there's a, out there, if you look around, you will, you can see the, they don't, there's not a lot of them out there, but there is a Voigtlander Vesa, which is just like the, the you know, the R series, uh, except it's a Nikon mount. And that's why they built the lenses. But it, you know, the, the lens should work great on the original Nikon too, so. That's cool. Well, yeah. Um, onto onto my stuff. Um, before I talk about the the camera fair, um, I think the, the the possibly bigger news was that I actually managed to um, shoot a whole roll of film on my Hasselblad on uh, Thursday. Congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So um, um, I I went for a walk and uh, in the in some very nice countryside somewhere I haven't been before. And um, and I I took both my lenses. Actually, this was this was the thing. You know, I'm thinking to myself. Well, I'm going to go out. I'm not going to take a digital camera with me. I'm just going to take take the Hasselblad and uh, my two lenses. And then I just realised perhaps I should take the hoods as well because they were. Uh, it's it was a very bright day, and I was thinking I'll just just take my normal camera bag, which I can normally fit um, a, a digital camera and maybe eight lenses maybe um which i've done on on several occasions um as as you do and not only use three of them or one of them and stuff like that but at least you're covered if something something happens um so i thought well i'll I'll use that bag i could only just fit all that gear in um (laughs) i just got i just couldn't believe just how much space it was taking up i mean i mean you look at the camera it's not you know it is bigger than a than a you know a digital slr but or a digital mirrorless camera whatever but it doesn't look that much bigger but as soon as you um deal with a uh, a 50 millimeter distagon with its hood it's it's already enormous 
Yeah, that's a big lens. And did you have the compendium? Yeah, exactly. Hood? Yeah, that's that ends up being a big rig. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's as big yeah. as the camera is about by, <laughs> by itself. Um, and I've and I've got compendium uh, compendium hood for the um, for the eighty the eighty mil oh, planar okay. as well. Um, so you put those together, and it's, it's just <laughs> you always feel like when you when you're zipping it up, you want to like jump on the back to make to, to get the zip shut. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, that 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 was tough, but uh, but yeah. Um, I've got a strap for it as well, um, so I can hang, hang the thing around my shoulder on, on this walk. And it was just really good fun. Um, it, it was it, you got that thing where you're, you're looking through a, a, a really large viewfinder and seeing that medium format look, um, and it was just beautiful. Um, just mm -hmm. just just the, the the views and everything, but the the look the view through the viewfinder was 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 great. What was trickier? Um, was getting the getting the either the, the verticals and horizontals correct. Um, oh, that was that was that was really tricky with, with everything. The, with the left right uh, yeah. flip driving you nuts. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew about this. Yeah, when, yeah sure. but yeah, it's it it, <laughs> it 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 does mess with you. It really, really sure. does. Um, especially when, like I say, if you've got if you've got a, a vertical that you want to hit, and you also want to hit the the horizontal as well, if you're getting those two in the at the, at the same time, that's an absolute nightmare when you're not used to it. Um, and and what you tend to, well, I was tending to do, I was concentrating so much on that, then I think, yeah, yeah, I've got it now. I press this, press the the shutter button and realise, well, what shutter speed did I use there? Where was the focus point? You know, it was, you're just concentrating so much on the composition. So, yeah. um, but you know, eventually I got my head around it. Um, and I also, um, was particularly brave and used some slide film in there as well. Um, wow. and very nice. Uh, yeah. Well, f and for those people that don't really understand the significance of that, uh, slide film is, is not forgiving. Um, it's, it's, it's very easy to get your exposure wrong and, uh, and it's a lot harder to, or sometimes impossible, uh, to pull that exposure back, um, in the way that you can do with, um, say color, color negative film or black and white for that matter. Um, it's a lot more forgiving. So this isn't very forgiving at all. Um, so I'm using a camera that I don't know if it's completely functional, um, expired spy, uh, uh, slide film as well, although it's not too expired. Um, and um, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, and and I was also using a handheld meter, uh, which is something that when you it it seems quite easy to use a handheld meter in, in in reasonably controlled environments, but when you're actually out doing a landscape, I'm there thinking, well, what might be meant to be metering here? And so I sort of used it and sort of thought, well, does that sound right? And 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 so on and so on. And uh, so that's pretty much what I did. And I've I've done that kind of thing before. Um, and I can usually get I can I can do reasonably well without a light meter at all, actually, especially if I'm using uh, color negative or uh, uh, or black and white film. Um, this it, I, I seem to get it reasonably right, but uh, I'm not hugely confident of my exposures. Yeah. You got you've got basically no margin for error with uh, transparency. I mean, uh, you know, I I always when I'm shooting transparency, I always well, I mean, I always use a, a handheld meter anyway, but um, I I use it in uh, ambient, and I just basically take an ambient reading. And with slide film, that's it's almost always a dead-on perfect exposure because it's just averaging all the light out. Um, to a 
to ideal exposure. And then, you know, I might go like a quarter of a stop one direction or the other. But I mean, with an older camera, you don't have that flexibility really anyway. Um, but I mean, I've, sh I've shot tons of transparency stuff on like, you know, Roloflex, which um, works out great just using an ambient reading. You almost always are just right on the money with your exposures. Well, that's, that's encouraging because that's pretty much what I was doing. Although the, yeah. the, the, the issue that I had, the bit that I couldn't get really get my head around was, uh, because you, yes, you can use the, uh, again, ambient reading, but mm -hmm. you, the ambient reading could, will depend on where you're pointing the, the pointing the light meter. Yeah. But I mean, it, like, let's say if you're doing landscape, right. I mean, the light is pretty much where if you're in the landscape and you're in the same, let's say you're in the standing in the sun, in a landscape and you do an ambient reading where you just basically have the ambient meter ball pointed up at the sky. It's giving you the amount of light falling on the entire landscape yourself included. So that is essentially the, the correct, you know, average okay. exposure. That's, yeah. That's right. It's, it's it, yeah. It's tricky. If let's say you're like in the woods and you're looking across to the mountains, which are in the sun, then you've got to like, you really kind of got to, you know, then it's going to be off sort of because you're measuring the ambient in the woods, which is going to be not the same as out in the sun, you know, but I mean, basically if you're in the landscape and you're being illuminated to the same extent as the senior shooting, it should be, you should be right on the money. So if you were in Chicago and you were standing on a street and you were in the shade and you were yeah. shooting a person standing across the street who was in the sun, yeah. you point your meter at them and take a reflective well, what I do, um, what I do is I I take a reading when I let's say I'm gonna going out I'm gonna walk around take some pictures, I'll take a read an ambient reading in the shade, yeah, and an ambient reading in the sun, which there's gonna be about four stops difference depends on the time of year, but there's gonna be three or four stops difference between the two readings, and then what I'll do is I'll just as I'm kind of walking around shooting I've got those two uh readings in my head and i'll know that if in the su if the subject's in the sun i'm going to use one if it's in the shade i'm going to use the other and usually as i'm walking along i'm changing my camera settings to the you know either the sun or the shade and if it's like mixed i'm just going to kind of go in between and for for negative film that's almost always plenty to get you a correct exposure but it's with slide film it's just a little more tricky because you just have no room for error so like if i'm shooting in like you know mixed you know, sunshade, whatever, I'm going to definitely going to take a ambient reading from the subject's position before I shoot, you know, because you're, if it's transparency film, you've really got to be that much on because you will see a quarter of a stop exposure difference. Like it, right. it's make or break. A half stop is make or break on transparency film. If you're well, the, the reason I asked is because I, I have that little um, analog Sikonic twin mate meter. Oh, and, yeah. So as you can slide that little thing on the front and open up the window and yeah. point it and pointed at something, you get a reflected reading. And I've had right. people tell me both things. A, a guy that has one who has a Hasselblad said, no, only take take a reading of the ambient light with that closed. And then I've had people say, no, open yeah. it up and, and point it at the thing you're going to photograph. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you don't have the ball, the white ball in front yeah. of the cell, you're taking a reflective reading. So that it's better, it's better to do that. Open it up. And Well, it, it, it depends. I mean, if you want to do it a reflective, you can, but you just have to be aware that, if you're, let's say you're taking a reflective meter, meter reading, you know, and you're pointed towards the sky, it's going to really change your reading versus pointing at, say, the ground, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, right. right? So, I mean, it, it's just like you can do it either way. You just have to, like, you got to think about it more. That's why I just do an ambient because it just averages everything. And then I know that, all right, I might have to add 
an extra stop here. I might have to change my exposure based on if it's a brighter scene or a, a dimmer scene, or if I want to push the contrast, I know I have to go an extra stop versus a stop less or whatever. So, I mean, but it, I, to me, it's just easier to have one average number in my head and then adjust on the fly, you know? Yep. It, it, seem, it seems to me that the use that you want to do there, Carl, will be better with a spot meter, a dedicated spot meter, rather than taking a, a reflective reading from across the road so so to speak uh, but so i think it's, it's probably just getting too too much information into it to be useful possibly i don't yeah. know no i'm not yeah. talking about if someone is walking up towards me and they're only um you know 10 feet away mm. and i'm going to take a photo of them when they get eight, the eight feet away I, i'm mm. taking a reading or i'm pointing the pointing it at them yeah as long as you and your subject are in the same light your okay. ambient right. reading will be just fine it's the problem is if you know, your the light falling on you versus falling on the subject is different. Then you really need to take an ambient reading okay. from the subject's position, or at least in the same light as the subject. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 No, that's useful. So, fing fingers crossed. I should have the. Uh, I've already sent the uh, the film off. It's I've had the emails say that AG Photo Lab have uh, have got it. So um, hopefully I'll have that towards the end of the week. Fingers crossed, and I'll get that uh, that that digitised. Um, cool. And I'll I'll be using uh, a prototype uh, pixelator to do that digitising as well. So uh, fingers crossed. Um, and uh, yeah, the the other, the other takeaway from that was I I just went with the. Uh, when I, when I was using the Hasselblad, I was using it with the uh, the waist level finder, as 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 most people use that that one. Um, but I think next time, if I'm going to go out on a sunny day, I think I'm going to I I do actually have the uh, the prism finder as well, which gives you a more SLR um, style experience. Although there's still a little yeah. bit of reversal going on in there, but it's not. It, I don't think it's as much if I can remember correctly. No, if you're the prism finder, you're you're good to go. That'll that'll. Well, it depends. I guess it depends on what you have. Uh, but if it's really the prism finder, it's going to reverse. It's going to it's going to make the right left reverse issue go away. It'll yeah. be right reading. I say it doesn't. It doesn't get rid of both of the issues, but it gets rid of one of them, doesn't it? So, uh, so. But it was. It was just. It's just this thing, though. You have one of those cameras, and you want to use the waist level because it's there, and that's how it. That's how you're meant to use it. It seems. But uh, at the end of the day, you use the camera in the way that it suits you in the in the circumstances, and it doesn't really matter if there's a a right or a wrong way as such, because there isn't one. Well, you're driving the other side of the road. Just what's the difference of using the. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, uh, mo moving on to uh, to, to, to yesterday, um, I was uh, back at the uh, Wolverhampton Camera Fair, uh, which uh, that happens five times a year in the UK, um, and uh, I've talked about it before. And it's a it's a gathering of uh, many. Uh, sellers of old camera equipment and new camera well relatively new camera equipment as well so there's digital stuff there as well as well as uh, old cameras but there's absolutely tons and tons and tons of lenses and it's um so any, anybody that doesn't hasn't got a shop to go to to look at old lenses and all they can do is see things on ebay 
you would just freak out in this place. Um, so uh, five times a year it happens. Uh, it's called the Wolverhampton Camera Fair in the UK. And um, the next one's in November. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely worth a visit. We'll get there early. Um, so anyway, I was there because uh, as, a, as a seller, um, so I was selling plenty of K&F adapters, but mainly I was there selling uh, equipment and I, and I sold a load of um, the, the kind of stuff that's actually, I, I don't particularly like to sell on eBay, um, such as I, I finally sold my 1100mm um, F10.5 uh, MTO. Yeah, well, I've, I've never, I haven't actually tried to sell the thing on, uh, on eBay, but it's just, it's just massive. Um, right. and, uh, and it weighs such a lot. So the postage is, is going to yeah. be expensive. Um, <laughs> or you could use one of the cheap postage companies that will probably kick it there. Um, so, um, so it, it makes me very nervous with that kind of stuff. And I also sold, uh, one of the two, uh, photo snipers, uh, that, that I've wow. got as well. Um, again, something I just don't want to send through the post. So, uh, so got rid of a few of those things, a few, uh, few Soviet lenses, um, uh, I did an OM2N, uh, uh, XC7 Minolta, is it? Is it XC7 or XG? Or, yeah. Yeah, X, yeah, there's an XC7. Yeah. One, of, one of those. I think it's one of those, um, one of the Leica ones, I think, isn't it? I think um, it's based off mm -hmm. the Leica, or the Leica is based off it, I should say. Um, yeah, so so got rid of uh, quite a bit of stuff. And um, and at the at the end of the day, I, I had a little bit of chance to have a wander and just see if there were any any bargains I could uh, I could pick up. And I picked up three three items which I'm particularly pleased about that I picked up. Um, the first one being, and I've put a photo up in photography with classic lenses today uh, using this this camera, in fact, uh, lens, sorry. And uh, uh, I think I've actually put a picture of the lens up there as well. And it's it's an enlarger lens. It's a Rodenstock APO or APO uh, Rodagon, and it's a 90 millimeter f4 nice. enlarging lens. And uh, APO, now I believe that is is that something to do with um, it gets rid of uh, chromatic aberration? I believe is that, yeah. is that correct? Yeah. So it's it's one of those buzzwords you see APO used every now and again, yeah. and it usually makes something far more expensive. Right. Um, Apochromatic. So it, yeah, exactly. So yeah. So uh, so yeah. So but I've never actually seen a larger lens quite like this. Um, it's much larger uh, than normal and larger lenses that I've seen, and I think it's it, usually when you see in larger lenses, fifty millimeters usually for thirty-five millimeter, and then seventy-five yeah. millimeters usually for medium format, and and as they get larger, they're for larger formats. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure what the actual native format of this um, this ninety millimeter is. Um, perhaps somebody might. I don't know if if you know any more about these things, Johnny. Uh, oh, I'm googling. No, um, okay. Well, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't remember the the. the you're, you're absolutely right. There's there, there's a you know ratio for. I it's probably for like six by seven. I would guess. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. a six like six 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 seven, um, medium format. Yeah. So you know it's in that it's in that range. Yeah. Well, it's it was it was offered to me at the at, it's a it's a good well at one of those prices where I knew nothing about the thing. It was in front of me, and, and the guy goes to me. Do you want this? And they told me how much it was, and and I thought that's got to be that's you know it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't super cheap, but it wasn't it didn't sound expensive either. So I thought yeah, well, let's let's just go for it, and yeah. um, and it's just a beautiful lens, and 
I put it on. I took a picture of my dad last night uh, with it, which I, I put up the other day, and it's um, that's 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 pretty good. Um, it's probably painfully sharp, right? I mean, it's like it I bet it's super sharp, really sharp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, larger lenses are great. Though. I mean, if you want sharp, <laughs> that's it. Well, it was it was interesting that the shot I took. Um, it, it, it looked like it was suffering a little bit from um, from contrast at the top of the image where the the light was coming in, um, so it felt like it was it was losing losing something because of that. And uh, although partially that was probably down to the exposure compensation I used, but really, if I'd been a, a proper portrait photographer, I would have introduced a little bit of light, a little bit of fill in light. Um, but at least I'm thinking on those lines now, which I never used to. So uh, who knows? I might actually start using some additional light with my photos. Um, but it was. Yeah, he produced a, a, a really nice shot. My dad loves it as well. He, he's, he's very pleased with it, which is uh, obviously a, a good a good sign in itself. But I took it out this morning, and uh, instead of using it as a portrait lens, I um, racked it up with a load of uh, extensions and two helicoids, um, <laughs> and uh, and got the uh, minimum focus down to probably about I don't know uh, ten inches. The, 30 centimeters maybe a bit less than that anyway and uh, started chasing uh, chasing the insects and flowers and, and things like that while the light was was, was quite good and uh, I've got to say it's just so sharp I mean you expect it to be sharp I mean that's that's normal for these things to be sharp but it just it just seems to be at a, a, a different level so wow, um, so yeah I'm really 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 pleased with that and it's just a, a lovely lovely thing Great, um, great. Yeah. So, and so you that, could use it for digitizing your, uh, your well, film. Well, too. I'm. I must admit, I'm thinking this has got to be perfect for um, <laughs> when I yeah. get those six by six uh, slides back. If assuming they're actually worth bothering with. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've, I've I've had some slide stuff back and it, it went straight in the bin. Um, but um, yeah, fingers fingers crossed. It's uh, it great, will be so. my it will be my first choice. So it's uh, and if not, then I've got a um, what is it now? Um, oh, uh, one of the Japanese, not Comine or Comine. There's a, there's another one. Um, make uh, generic uh, lenses, uh, not Kiron either. I can't think of the make of it. anyway. But I've got a I've got a, an enlarged lens I would normally use for that, the fifty millimeter one. But um, I think this one's going to going to get the gig now because it's fantastic. So wow. so that's nice. that one. Um, and I picked up two other items. Uh, one of them being the it's, well, I had to buy the camera as well, um, and it, the camera being a a, Reti, a Kodak Retina Reflex Three, which is quite a nice nice uh, DKL mount yeah, camera. Yeah. Um, but really, that wasn't where my interest was uh, because it's it, what is what was on the camera, and uh, and that was a um, a Snyder fifty uh, millimeter f one point nine Xenon. Uh, very similar, I guess, to that one that uh, you were talking about earlier, Johnny. I guess well, yours was the F two on a fixed fixed camera, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, fixed yeah, and that, I, that's the one that um, uh, Cheyenne is using quite a bit. He's yes. a DK, right? A DKL fifty one point nine. He's used that to very nice effect. Yeah, and it's. I mean, that's this actually came as a direct result of uh, of Cheyenne and uh, and last that's week's awesome. uh, Marie Celeste podcast. <laughs> Um, and uh, it was it was one of the lenses that we we talked about as a result of uh, his his post, and it is a lens that I've had in the past, um, and I, I I sold it, and 
and it's one of the few lenses I, re I regret selling uh, because largely because of the, the the bokeh that it produces. I mean, it's not the necessarily the sharpest lens in the world, but the the look of what's going on in the out of focus areas can be absolutely beautiful. It's like you know, it's really really painterly. So mm. uh, mm -hmm. not, yeah. not not had a chance to use it yet, but I'm just looking at it at the moment and it. And it seems to have a really, really large uh, front element uh, for for one point nine. It looks more like a, a one point four, if not bigger. Um, it's quite an unusual design, but I think the actual rear element is is quite small. So, uh, which hence how you get the calculation down to one one point nine. I suppose if you had a, a larger rear element, then they would have the uh, the uh, a higher a higher f stop. But yeah, it does have a a large front element, uh, unusually large. So I I, I guess flare's going to rear its head but i like a bit of flair anyway so i'm not going to worry too much about that so i'm looking forward to that and uh the last item uh was something that i've already bought in the past um and that's uh my friend there harvey who uh had chisels lenses off fixed cameras um <laughs> previously um i bought off him uh, actually i've got a couple i've got a um a, a Lomography uh, wide-angle lens uh, that uh, came off of one of one of their cameras. It's a fisheye, um, which which is quite interesting. But I've I, I've been using a, a color Minotaur uh, from a Minox camera, which he adapted onto Sony Nex, and it's a well. I've I've talked about this lens before, and it's it just takes great photographs. So really really pleased about it. But I've always had the this issue about it being native to Sony um, and you know if the day happens that uh, another camera comes out that I prefer to have than the Sony then I won't be able to take that that with me and lo and behold I uh, saw him again and he just made one with uh, like an M mount and uh, so that's far far more adaptable uh, because you can put that pretty much on any mirrorless camera whereas you're, you're going to struggle to put a next lens onto another mirrorless camera even mm. if you can get an adapter for it so uh, so that's so that's good but the, the downside about this is because the um the flange distance is longer um on uh, natively longer on m mount the actual lens itself has to sit uh effectively inside the adapter to get it yeah. at the correct correct flange distance and the problem there is on on this particular lens is it's okay for focusing you've got a lot, tiny little focus ring but that's at the front but access to the aperture ring is right it's, it's effectively inside the adapter so i mean and you've been moaning about the jupiter 12 well you know <laughs> it's got nothing on this yeah this this yeah if you're wearing gloves you just walk in the park yeah you just can't do it you just you yeah. just yeah, and and it's 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 fiddly even when I'm just sitting here not trying to use it in anger. So, uh, but <laughs> yeah, fact is it's it's going to work. So I'm gonna I'm gonna test it, and if it works as well as my my other one, then I will be selling uh, my uh, color minotaur to next mount. So uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with me on that one, if I do sell it, it'll be for sixty five pounds plus postage. Um, so uh, <laughs> if you, know in, <laughs> I mean, you, you said that, but you might you might wait a while and, and even. Um, in the colder weather if you're out with gloves or something like that and um that, that lens it might be so fiddly to use that it, it annoys you well i won't use it it's as simple as that in nah, if it's if it's that cold then i just won't use it but the thing is though it's not as if like i haven't got another 35 millimeter lens so uh sure yeah it's sure. not going to be a hardship if i have to dig out the flectagon 
So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but I just love using this lens. Um, well, certainly the one on the next mount, at least anyway, because it's just so tiny, so yeah. ridiculously small. It's the, it's, it's the opposite to a show off lens. It's the, as far as it's the least show off lens you can imagine. Um, it's the MDL. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mushroom, yeah. mushroom DL. <laughs> so, so Johnny sent me in an email that I, or a post that I just noticed that, um, my auto talk 55 2.2 is going to be just as good as that lens you bought away from me. So I've saved $83. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you know that's wrong though, don't you? <laughs> Given my photography skills, no, it's probably not wrong. Wow. You have beautiful photos um, with these small lenses and you, you have these fantastic landscapes to shoot and we, we just and 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 uh, you're able to go out in the evening and get the light just right and and and, and have some um, mist rising off of lakes and things and we just don't i don't have that kind of thing here to shoot yeah i mean and, and yeah, you're on the top in a swamp when you go to the barbecue and they're going to bury somebody and maybe they have less to bury after the barbecue because yeah, I, mean, you know. I, I, I mean i'd love to be i'd love to live in a city like chicago or a place like where you live it would be it's like my, my dream to be able to walk around some of those places but, but, that, but that's the thing though you we, we all moan about the place where that's familiar <laughs> right you know I, no i don't want to live in florida he can have florida <laughs> yeah no he's right it's full of, it's full of crazy people and it's hot and humid i don't want to be in florida so you can keep it carl <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey we should we should cue the music like they do in sunny 16 you know when they take 12 breaks during the show because i really have to pee i have um, to pee too yeah let's take a let's take a sunny 16 can you actually cue the music so it's like sunny 16 and I'm say good. well i'll, I'll okay, do my well, I'll, I, I can do my graham well, it's time for a break. Sunny, How much sunny, sunny, Graham, I don't, I'm pretty sure Graham's not Irish. <laughs> How much longer well, it's time for a break, Sunbeams. How, how longer are we going to go? <laughs> well, we're just going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Uh, okay. Let's, Bye. Let's okay. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Right then. So I just realized when I did Jeremy, I think I was doing Mrs. Doubtfire or something. I <laughs> was pretty shocked. I was going to call Jeremy Doubtfire from now on. <laughs> um, um, what, where were we then, by the way? I, I, we've, have we just finished on what I was talking about? Yeah. 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 But, uh, let's let's do a bit of. Um, I think we forget the news. Uh, I've, I'm just thinking now. I've I've only got 20 minutes here, so I've I think we're going to have to start wrapping up. Um, I've got shout outs. Who's got yeah, shout outs? Ex ex exactly. Yeah. So, but um, but let's let's go on. To, I'm going to uh, go on to feedback next. Um, so if we can do that, and then Boy. then shout outs, and then bugger off. Yeah, is that good? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. All right then. All right, so I'll do the welcome back bit now and be really. Uh, oh, I thought we were already rolling. No, no, not at all. No, 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 no. no. Right. And we're back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we're back, seamless as ever. Um, um, <laughs> and we're back. Yeah. So then, um, I think I think now uh, we've, we've we've done enough about that. Now let's um, start to close things down a little bit. And we, I think, uh, next thing we'll do, let's talk a little bit 
about uh, feedback uh, that, that we've had. I'm not sure if we've got that much about uh, M's uh, appearance, but certainly we have <laughs> had an email. In fact, not just one email. We've had two emails from the same person. Actually, he may have actually sent three. I'm not too sure. But uh, anyway, so here's Johnny with, uh, with some more info on that. And I believe we are talking about Jonas from Sweden. Yes? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I think I only have one of the emails, but I think we decided this was the most interesting of the three. Um, <laughs> mainly because he uh, has dissed Sunny 16. And this is basically the Sunny 16 this episode 36, um, Sunny 16 diss. So uh, that's why we chose this one. Um, <laughs> anyway, Jonas says that he ended up at uh, Classic Lenses Podcast because he spilled over from Sunny 16 Podcast. Um, and, it, uh, and he had a couple questions about some different things, but um, talks about adapters. Uh, he talks about, I have a micro four thirds Olympus and adapters from Minolta and Olympus and OM lenses. I have mostly used my Minolta mount Sigma mini wide. Lots of fans for that lens here. Um, and he's used some, uh, Zucchio lenses as well. Uh, so what, the, what was that word? You heard me. I said it the Simon. I said it the Simon way, didn't I? Anyway, I don't, say, the, I don't say Zucchio. Sure you do. Going back to the email. Anyway, is the next for the email. Um, what about adapters with built-in focusing? So he's basically asking about uh, helicoids here. Um, let's see. Are you sure he's talking about that, or is he talking about autofocus adapters? I think he's. Uh, let's see. Anyway, what about adapters with built-in focusing? What should I know about them? Seems cool for cameras. Camera builds like Oscar's oxygen camera and those turbo lenses or whatever, question mark. They shrink the image circle, right? Question mark. I am thinking they should be sharp mostly as they are cramming more info into a tighter space, question mark. And, but for all the heck of it, period, period, period. What are all the tilt shift adapters? Question mark, exclamation point. Uh, many of us use lenses that cover more than the sensor we put behind. So why not profit from that with some kick-ass movements? So I think he's talking about maybe makeshift tilt-shift adapters, which mm -hmm. um, there are adapters out there that do that. Mm. Um, Usually for M M42s. The, the, yeah, the most common, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Any, any, so he wraps up, anyhow, thanks for the laughs and all that. You're my new favorite podcast. I like the Sunnies before they got in with the mainstream crowd. Ah, only kidding. I love you, he says. Well, I, th I think there's, there's certainly, we've been planning on doing something um, with adapters in particular. Yeah. Um, but we, we've, I mean, that's that's this fabled show that we've been promising and trying to make happen with uh, Phil Images by Phil also in Australia. In fact, I think we're just doomed with people in Australia. I think oh, so. yeah, yeah. It's just, it, it just something always goes wrong or there's, there's, there's something, a reason for stopping it. But uh, yeah, we, we definitely will do an adapting episode but we want to yeah. do an episode of, when we talk about adapters we don't want to just talk about the you know the simple stuff we want to talk about the hard stuff as well um yep. so um right. so, and right. we've all the three of us have done a little bit of that but there are some people out there that know a lot more about it than we do so 
we want an expert on there to do that. Um, there was also another, another email uh, from Jonas and uh, he mentioned um, that everybody wants to know about uh, macro lenses. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Carl's made it quite clear he doesn't want to know anything about macro lenses. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I have a macro lens. I, I don't use it, but I have one. Yeah. Well, why do I want to take pictures of a head of a fly or, um, you because then you'll get, you'll get extra more bokeh, <laughs> <laughs> extra more bokeh. Well, I think, I think the thing is, I think that's, I, I think that's a, a, a good subject for a future podcast. Yeah. Um, you guys um, talk among yourselves. Yeah. That. We, which, 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 which we may do, but there's, uh, I mean, there's as much as anything, there's just so many different ways of doing macro photography as well. So it's not right. just about using yeah. the macro, Johnny, macro That's lens. a good one for you, right? You do all sorts of macro. Oh yeah, I also do. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Excuse me, can I take a picture of your eyelash? You look really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Macro street photography—that's what it's all about, folks. So, so, so the the day will come when that happens, um, but uh, you yeah. have to wait a little bit longer, Jonas. Uh, maybe when uh, when Carl's not looking. Um, um, and I'll so, be on there. I'll come on. I'll just make jokes. <laughs> Um, so, so that's that. And is, is there anything else on that front? Because we, we now we've made a bit of a decision to to concentrate when we're talking about uh, feedback or uh, inf communications that have come in. Now we want to concentrate more on the emails rather than on the uh, the, the the Facebook uh, post. That's yeah. not to say that if you mention anything on the Facebook post for the podcast, we won't talk about it. But it's a case of uh, you know we 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 appreciate those uh, those emails flooding in. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so that that's that's how we we we, we want to do things. So is it thirty thousand emails? Maybe the Russians can find them. Yeah. So uh, well, is why, it, why, don't, why don't people who email us write such eloquent stories as they get in Sunny Sixteen? Because they I mean, talk the, about photography. <laughs> we okay. talk about buying things. Because, because I am. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I listened to, the, well, there are more Sunny 16s to listen to than ours, but I've been listening to them for the last three weeks all the time when I've been driving my car and the emails I get are just, are just phenomenal. <laughs> well, I actually think part, part of the reason for that behind that is the fact that you know, it's very easy to communicate with us via, uh, via the Facebook group, which they, yeah, they, they, they don't have some, they don't really have that. Um, so a lot of people can just go straight in there and just, just throw away a comment on us and, uh, and, and disappear again whereas uh, it's not quite so easy with uh, with the way they do things so i think that's the reason why you know they they, they get more communication via email but you know, we like emails so uh, so yeah please uh, get more emails please um and what's the email address uh, johnny uh that would be classic lenses podcast at gmail.com oh slick you don't forget and also you know we, we did have that one comment that led to some really um constructive ideas about audio which might not be possible with the system we have, but but it got into um, giving some some very particular suggestions. Yeah, no, that 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 was that was useful, and uh, and of course the first podcast we've done uh, and published since since having uh, some of that information, you've managed not to bring the right microphone with you, <laughs> so so you sound <laughs> awful, and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> I know, but my uh, my cleaning lady lost my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> 
My dog ate it while I was away. Blame it on the housekeeper. the deliverance place. <laughs> okay, so is there, are there is any other any other feedback, uh, Johnny, or should we move on to shout outs? Nah, if there are any. Yeah, let's move on. Okay, well, you've you've, yeah. you've I know you've got uh, a shout out, but I'll, so I'll just I'll just go to Carl. Is is there have you got any shout outs or anything else you want to get off the chest before we move move back to Johnny? I, I didn't have anything coming into today until I saw the banner image. And, that's a fantastic picture and, and, and perhaps a new member because I don't uh, recognize the name. But uh, Oh, he's, wow. he's been with us a long time. He's just never had the okay. banner before. Well, the, the picture's cool. It's just really – everything about it is cool. I love it. Yeah, and actually, that it's. I think it's worth talking about that. Um, I mean, the – the um, he goes by the the, the handle of uh, Gabsmack Photographica or something like that. Yes, that was a strange yeah. pronunciation yeah. at the end. That's because it's spelt strange. Um, I think his name Gabriel. I think, um, mm-hmm. is, uh, but uh, but yeah, he's um, uh, from the Philippines. He works in uh, Taiwan. And uh, yeah, he's been a he's been an avid uh, follower of uh, the group for quite some time. I've, I've actually sold him a couple of lenses as well, so uh, which is always oh. good. Um, but cool. the in particular, though, um, actually, I've got also got to say, I think his, photo- his photography has also grown in the period he's been uh, uh, posting in the group as well. So that's um, you know fair fair play to him there. But one one thing that is is worth noting is the fact that. It's very rare we seem to actually get a banner image or that many images that are taken with DSLRs, and that was that particular shot was taken with the Jupiter Nine and a Canon Five D Mark III, and yeah. um, cool. and it's great. It's a, it's a it's a great shot, and it's it's just always worth remembering. Though those people with DSLRs are, are photographers too, <laughs> or classic lenses <laughs> photographers too. You know, so um, they do count and they can take great photos, and uh, we shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, say well it's it's mirrorless or or nothing it's that's 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 just not true yes it's it's uh, more restrictive there it's it's more difficult in many ways but you know if if you let if you can take a classic lens on your camera then uh you know do your best and use it and uh you can get absolutely great results that's great yeah oh so and then i just wanted to say that um i think your photography also has improved since you um started out on facebook <laughs> 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 and then also, um, <laughs> so I'd say, okay, so, uh, again, this week, uh, this happens every part of once every two months, someone posted a question about what's your favorite, what's your favorite classic lens. And, um, and so when, I, when I've seen that now, I, I, I have this, this common response, about which, which says that really the question to ask is, um, if you're going out to shoot a particular thing, with a particular camera body and there's a certain look you want to get what lens do you grab <laughs> because otherwise I, we just get these long running things but people like them i guess you know i, yeah. so I don't have a favorite lens anymore i have favorite lenses to do particular kinds of things totally agree well no, nobody's ever going to ask that question though are they that's that's no, that's, no, that's they're the not, no no they're not. Yeah. Okay, Johnny, uh, you've you've got uh, at least one shout out. So, do you want to want to give us that? I do. Yeah, I got I got a couple. Um, it's in the the fortnight since we've last talked, I've met a few people in person, podcast listeners. There was uh, Jeremy Wilson, um, who I met at uh, came in a central camera. I will put up his Instagram link in our notes, uh, but he is an avid classic lens shooter on his Sony a6300. Um, does a lot of really nice work. So you'll, you'll want to check out his Instagram. 
and then I also met uh, Jared Tremper, um, who is a uh, he's in the photography with classic lenses Facebook group. He's been there for quite a while, and he um, he shoots uh, a Sony with Minolta glass, and and he's doing some really nice stuff with his Minolta lenses. So um, great conversations with both of those two gentlemen. Uh, very nice to meet you guys in person in the shop. Um, and then I met a couple of really interesting people um, this week. Uh, again, because of the um, the Nikon uh, Historical Society meeting here in Chicago. So there's a lot of people in town for that. So I met, um, for people who I guess are, you know, really into classic cameras, um, I met Jimmy Coe of Coe's Camera in Long Island, New York. And and Jimmy Coe is like, he's kind of a legend. Um, he's He's been doing this stuff a long time. Um, he's a... a legendary Roloflex uh, service expert. Um, and I, re I remember back when I was buying a Roloflex back in the 90s when I got my first one, he was one of the places that I looked at. I think he just didn't have what I was looking for at the time. I ended up getting a 2.8C, but he he was certainly someone whose name always comes up if you're looking for a Roloflex. And he still has quite a bit in his, um, in his shop, both on his website, which is wonderfully... Uh, circa like 1991 website. It's really awesome. It's so old school. And then his eBay site as well. But Jimmy Coe is like, ah, like just one of the nicest people I've met in ages. And he had a, you know, he came into the central camera, had this long conversation with the owner, Don at central camera. And they, these guys have both have like 50, literally 50 years of experience in the photo industry. So they, they know everything about the history of stuff that's gone on and just re just a really really nice man. Um, so that was a that was a highlight for me. Um, and although he said he's basically retired from doing Roloflex service, he said that he would take a look at my Roloflex 2.8A, which is exciting because it's it's stuck on bulb right now, and I'd really love to get it working. So he he actually said he would look at it for me. So that was that was really nice. Um, and then yesterday at the camera show, I met Stephen Gandy in person. Mr. The the famous slash infamous Stephen Gandy of CameraQuest.com, yep. who has been mentioned here before. Uh, so he's the U.S. Voigtlander distributor. He runs RangefinderForum.com, which is a huge knowledge knowledge base of rangefinder stuff. Um, and had a had a nice little chat with him real quick, which was pretty cool. So and then. As I mentioned, I literally bought a lens from him yesterday as well via his website for my my new Nikon. So, so that was cool. Put the face with the name, sort of thing. Um, uh, so I, I just feel like I have met all these really interesting people here the past couple of weeks, which has been really neat. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I think uh, we should bring things to an end now. Uh, so. Uh, oh, I, I want to add one more okay. shout out. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to thank Cheyenne for sending me the link to that lens, and um, I'm just getting a little emotional here. But, but I don't I, I wasn't able to buy. Although well, lenses are available, Carl. <laughs> I just found one. Just found another one on there. Look, this came up $129. And I buy it. Oh, so over buy so, it. It's so expensive. No, no, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay that much. <laughs> On inspection, three, <laughs> three tiny white-looking dots, <laughs> two millimeters in diameter. <laughs> no, no. Okay. 
I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to my Helio. It's, uh, yeah. it's pretty much the, yeah, the pick of the bunch that I saw earlier on today. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so thank, thanks, uh, uh, Cheyenne, on that one. Uh, <laughs> I hope they're out of those like the ring. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so Johnny, how can uh, people follow you on the internet or in real life? Oh, you can find me at uh, Central Camera Company uh, in person most days, except for Monday when I take the day off to do the podcast and grocery shopping and all that stuff. Um, and you can see me occasionally on uh, Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook uh, group. And you can see me posting images most days over on Instagram at, uh, at System Photography on Instagram. And Cole? You can find me on the Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook page. I've been posting almost daily now on um, Instagram, and um, and I and I about weekly update my photos on Flickr to see higher resolution images. And the and, and the photos I, I've been I, I have by topic and by camera lens type, and I think many of us do. And uh, so if you're someone on the uh, listeners out there and you're thinking about lenses to buy. Um, chances are that one or all of us have um, a bunch of images from that lens um, that you can look at. Um, and actually, I, I'm in a few places. I'm uh, just just echoing what Carl's just said there on uh, on my Flickr account. If you look in the albums, uh, I've got a ton of uh, photos um, via uh, by whichever lens. I've taken. I've, I've forgotten how many it is. I'm not sure if it's over 150 or more now. I'm not not entirely sure, but certainly there's a there's a there's a a, a good little image bank there uh, for uh, for different lenses. Um, usually taken on uh, either Sony or Olympus. A um, few on Canon as well and Fuji. Um, so that's that's uh, Flickr. So you can find me if you just I think if you just do a search for Simon Forster. Um, I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. I'm also on that with Twitter. Um, I've got my website where I sell uh, KNF adapters at slightly less than I sell them for on eBay, which is Simon Forster Photographic.co.uk. Uh, my eBay shop, uh, if you do a search for It's Fozzy, uh, I T S F O Z Z Y, you'll find my shop. Um, and uh, I keep forgetting to do this, but I need to thank uh, Kevin McLeod for the intro music and uh, outro music and that little piece of uh, music in the uh, in the middle for our break which was uh, called honey honeybee um, which uh, used to be the uh, the music that used to use on the silly 16 podcast so uh, coincidentally like, enough yeah but uh, see, i don't have permission to use their current music i'll uh, i'll go with the old stuff so uh, so um, so that's it so i hope you've enjoyed uh, today's show hopefully you've got uh, all three people are actually on the recording this time. Um, and uh, what recording? Yes. <laughs> we were, you mean you recorded this? I, I certainly hope so. It, it says I've recorded 572 megabytes worth of data wow. so far. Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, next week uh, we have the return of Anul Mystery. Um, so. The uh, the person that uh, well, actually no he didn't actually introduce the flaneur into uh, into our vocabulary but it, it sort of came out of that episode I think Johnny uh, plucks yeah. that one out of the, the ether um, and uh, yeah last time he, he was on uh, you know he came on with a view to uh, talking about his uh, collection of classic lenses and uh, we hardly spoke about a single lens <laughs> and uh, spoke just about uh, street photography and some of the uh, the things that he's been getting up to which was 
properly fascinating. Um, so we, we're going to do part two with Anil, and we'll actually talk about lenses. Um, so I, I really hope it's going to be as good as last time was. Uh, it was a, it was a brilliant show that was. So uh, looking forward to that, and uh, hopefully everyone could join us again next week. So All right. thank you and goodbye. Bye, sunbeams. Input volume down a little. I don't know if I'm changing, but I'll turn it down a hair. Probably should turn it down to zero for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit like me last week. <laughs> what, about, what, about, what about this? Can you hear this? Yes. What was it? Was it, was it a camera? What camera? Like some shitty digital something. A, li- a little little uh, Olympus, was it? No, it's my, it's my Alpha 7 II. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Oh, there you go. Oh, you, oh, you, you, like, got, you have you got electronic uh, electronic front curtain switched on then? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Ah, look at that! Look at that! Look at those ears! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>